to what we have heard. All those promises. Israel is on their way to the promised land. As we come to Numbers chapter 21. Uh, If you know your, your story of Israel, what happened, they were in slavery in Egypt. They were brought out, amazing miracle, crossed the sea on dry ground. They got eventually to the borders of the land. Moses sent in the spies. The spies came back and said, the land is fantastic. You should see the size of the grapes. They're incredible. You should see the size of the people. We're scared. And they decided it's a bit too difficult. And in their rebellion, God said, you will not enter this land, this generation. You will march for 40 years in the wilderness until all of this generation die. Only two people who got into the land eventually is Joshua, the man without parents, and Caleb, Joshua, son of Nun. Now we come to Numbers 21, and we're about roughly about 38 years into the march. So they're almost, 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 almost about to enter the land of promise. They've just had a a fantastic victory over the king of Arad who lived in the Negev who had taken a whole bunch of them prisoners and they prayed to the Lord and and God heard them and gave them victory over the Canaanites and they destroyed them completely as kind of, yes, finally we are going into the place where we belong. And then (laughs) we get to Numbers 21 verses 4 to 9. See, at the moment we meet them, they are marching to the promised land. Now, one of the problems that they had is that the king of Edom refused to let them march through Edom. So what did they have to do? God said, don't attack Edom. So they had to turn almost around, head back towards the Red Sea, and then go up, I think, the eastern side of Edom, this long east and then north, this long, arduous journey heading almost backwards when they're supposed to be heading to the promised land. And it's a difficult journey and they're probably just fed up and they're impatient. And so they complain in verse 5. Why have you brought us here into the wilderness out of Egypt to die? Moses, my friend, how come following God isn't easier than this? Why weren't my parents, who are either dead or about to die, why weren't my parents happy for me to stay as a slave in Egypt? At least we had food. Their parents used to complain about the lack of melons. All sorts of fancy fruit. Why don't we have it? Yes, a slave's life is not easy, but at least it's predictable, Moses. And not as predictable as rubbish manna. Um, who here has a eating routine? Like Mondays is sushi night, Tuesdays is Indian, Wednesdays... Just food. I think the Israelites would have been 
thrilled with just food because their eating pattern was breakfast, manna. Lunch, manna. Tea, manna. Snack before bread or bed, manna. But on the Tuesday, manna, 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 manna. And on the Wednesday, manna, 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 manna. Thursday, manna, 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 manna. Friday, manna, 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 manna. In fact, they collected twice as much for Saturday, manna, 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 manna. But Sunday, manna, 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 manna. <laughs> oh, this is a miraculous provision from God. What do they complain? They say, we've got nothing to eat and we've got nothing to drink. All we've got is this horrible manna. The bread of heaven. Totally supernatural. Not good enough. You see, what they're doing here is they're complaining not only against Moses, but they're complaining about God, against God. They're calling his, his faithfulness into question. They're calling his love into question. They're, 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 in essence, they're saying, we get to decide what is best for us, not God. God's got it wrong. This isn't best for us. They didn't recognize his mercy. Um, God didn't give them manna if they were good the previous day. One of the amazing things is even when they rebelled, God gave them manna. Even as the snakes are biting, God gives them manna. It's, it's because of God's mercy that he provides for them, not because of their goodness. But so they complain and, and they're tired and they're bothered and they just... Ah! And they complain and God, what does God do? Being loving and kind. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people. And many were bitten and died. If you've got your older King James Version, it probably says the Lord sent fiery serpents. Not they were made of fire, but I'm told that when a snake bites you, it feels like you're on fire. The venom, the sting, the, the pain. I think God sent snakes because... Well, these people have rejected God's gift of life and health from heaven. They say, we don't want your food. Your water's not quite good enough. And he says, if you reject what I send you from heaven, you can have death and suffering from the earth. They were complaining against God, but is that really worthy of death? I mean, that's what we're talking about. The snake bites you, you die. And not comfortably, you die in pain. The wages of sin is death. It wasn't God who, who had sent them into the wilderness to die. It was, it was them. Why were they in the wilderness? Because they had rebelled against God. They had sinned. Why did God send the snakes? Because they had rebelled against God and said, you don't know what's best for us, God. We can decide our own fate better than you. And eventually, they realize that what they've done is wrong. They go to Moses in verse 7. 
trouble has changed their perspective. Trouble has changed their ambitions. They confess their guilt. They say we have sinned against God and against you. Please pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. Just have God take the snakes away. And Moses prays. And do you know what God does? He doesn't take the snakes away. He doesn't answer in the way they expected. He doesn't take away the snakes. He doesn't immediately heal those who are bitten. He, he instead says, Moses, fire up the furnace. We're going to make some brass. And he says, Moses, I want you to, you see the snakes? Moses is probably like, yes, there's quite a few around here, God. He's like, okay, make a bronze snake. Put it on a pole where it can be seen. And whoever looks at it, they'll live. Why doesn't God take away the snakes? Well, maybe it's because if God just removed the snakes, the Israelites could have said to themselves, well, you know, these things happen. Snakes are around in the desert, and we just happened to come through a patch, and now we're out of the patch, and the snakes have moved on. It's just, it's just an accidental occurrence. Yes, Moses happened to pray, but bah, we, can, we can excuse that. It, it happens. Snakes disappear. I mean, God could have said, right, Moses, I want you to mix together a bit of manna, because you got some of that, a bit of water, because you got some of that, and maybe some crushed rocks, and put it on the snake bites, and that God could have given them medicine. No. Because then they would have said, ah, of course, it's just the antidote for the snake venom. Now, God wants them to have no doubt that it is by God's mercy and God's power that they are healed and that they are saved. But he also wants them to have no doubt that there is still punishment for sin. You see, this is, this is how God works. There is punishment for sin and yet there is mercy and forgiveness for those who put their trust in God. Because what they had to do was to look at this bronze snake and as they looked, they were trusting that God would save them despite common sense saying no. It's a bronze snake for good. It's like nobody here wears bronze bracelets, do they? Nobody here wears magnetic bracelets. Good, because they're useless. And a lot of people would have said, Moses, you might as well put a bronze bracelet on you as looking to a snake. And that's the point. The snake on the pole does nothing to save the people. It does nothing to save the people. God saves the people. I mean, why, why does he say, Moses, make a, a replica of a snake and put it on a pole? Maybe because they needed to see and realize the cause of their distress. To see the punishment as their punishment. You look at the snake and you see 
I'm bitten by a snake. I'm dying because of that. God didn't use snakes just because they were handy in the desert. Um, In Egypt, snakes were a a symbol of power. You ever seen Pharaoh's crown? It's got a cobra on it. Perhaps almost God saying, you want to go back to the snake, do you? But of course, even more profoundly than that, the snake is a symbol of the ultimate enemy, Satan. What does God do? He says, make a replica and raise it on a staff and stick it in the ground where everyone can see it. Um, It's like sticking a head on a pike. This enemy is defeated. The serpent has been undone. It is dead. Look, it's on a pole. God is more powerful than the snake. Be that Egypt, be that Satan. God is more powerful, and if you look to me, you will be saved. Sin. Sin is like a mortal bite from a poisonous snake. I hate snakes. I have on a couple of occasions almost stepped on snakes. One time when I was delivering newspapers on a bicycle, I got out to put... I think I might have told the story. I got out to put a newspaper in a post box and there was a nest of baby snakes. Ooh, can I recommend exercise regime? If you want to learn how to cycle really, really fast, almost step on, I, I reckon I cycled about four kilometers in about two minutes. Ooh, I was frightened. Because I know if you get bitten by a jugite, you're in trouble. It's sore. And if you don't get the medicine, it can be deadly. And the thing with snake bite is if time's important, you can't take your time and, and, and just sort of, oh, yeah, I've been bit, I'll go to the doctor tomorrow. God's not uncaring of our need. I heard a story about this incident in Numbers. Moses sets up the snake on the pole. Everyone's looking. There's a guy who's just been bitten before Moses does it, and he sits inside his, his tent, and he's in agony. He's, ah! And, and another guy's outside, and he sees the snake going up, and he's like, oh, wow. And he's bitten, and he looks, and he's, there's no pain. He's fine. He trusts God. And, and so he, he sees his friend Joe. He knows his friend Joe has been bitten. He's in the tent. He's, he, he's going to die. So what does he do? He runs to the tent, and he, tents of doors, knocks on the door. He goes in. He says, Joe! Time for a cuppa. How are you doing? Yeah, it's painful, isn't it? Mm. So what do you think of uh, what do you think of Moses? Oh yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, Joe, yeah, that's it. Any, any new manna recipes? Well, my wife made a really nice one the other day. Um, she mixed it with water. It was fantastic. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. I wanted to speak to you about something. Uh, something to do with the snakes. Um, well, this is so uncomfortable. I'd, oh, really? I'd, 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 look, Joe, I don't want to impose what I think on you. I'd, I know you, you, you I, this is just what I think, Joe, but you know what, I've been bitten as well, and I looked, and, and you can look too. And anyway, maybe you can go to the tabernacle tomorrow, and we'll talk about it there. Okay, bye! No, if, you, if you're bitten by a snake, wouldn't you rather you said, Joe, outside now, look! Trust! I did! I'm right! Fantastic! John chapter 3. Jesus himself chooses to um, refer to this story. What does he say? He says, As Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness... So the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world so much that He gave His only, one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through Him. Every person on this planet has been infected by the bite of sin and every person on this planet will one day die and face judgment. But Jesus Christ for our sake and for our healing was made in likeness of sinful flesh. He was made sin for us. Our sin was placed on him. Just as the Israelites' sin symbolically was placed on that dead snake, so our sin literally was placed on Jesus. If we look to him, if we trust him, he will save us. Remove the sting of death. And when he returns, we will be with him forever. For the Israelites, looking to the bronze snake, trusting God, meant life from the snake bite. For us, looking to Christ, trusting him, means life for eternity. Why? Why doesn't God remove the snakes? Why doesn't God remove the snakes? Or why doesn't He remove the cause of the death? Because what causes death is the sin within me and the sin within you.
What causes us to die as humans is our choosing to sin. Our choosing to know better than God or think we do. And to remove sin would mean remaking everything to remove the tarnish of sin. Which would mean removing us. And, and one day he will. He will make the whole world brand new. And when he does... Only those who have been sterilized from the sting of death will be made new. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. His blood cleanses. His body renews us. On the night Jesus was betrayed, last night, last night, on the night he was betrayed, on the night when his closest friend said I will never I will never deny you on the night or one of his closest friends on the night when when one of his compatriots for the last three years slipped away Jesus called them together at the end of the meal and he said to them this is my body which is given for you do this to remember me Excuse me. Thank you. He was made sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness. He humbled himself and he carried the cross.
and they were getting over that when he passed around a cup and they all drank. And then he said to them, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again, says Paul. We do this once a month because we need to be reminded to look. Look. And be saved.